Attention citizens, a few brief updates before the scheduled Q&A episode. First, we would like to inform you that due to some technical difficulties, it was required that we re-record the audio following the 20-minute mark due to an unknown source of electromagnetic interference. You may notice a gradual decrease in quality until that point. We are also pleased to announce that the introduction theme for the upcoming season of Tales from the Tower was created by the renowned composer Brandon Boone. Find his works at wondrousound.com. Additionally, we would like to inform you of the upcoming PodCon 2018, a convention created for and by podcast listeners. The event will premiere in New Orleans, Louisiana in the autumn of 2018. Many podcast hosts are involved in the creation of the event, and it will certainly be a unique treat for all. For more information on the event, you can join the Podcasts We Listen To Facebook group or follow at PodCon2018 on Twitter. So now stay tuned to our scheduled broadcast, and remember, Atreus endures. Welcome, citizens, to the Q&A episode for Season 2 of Liberty Critical Research Podcast. This is the last Q&A episode for Critical Research, although there is many more to come for the actual Liberty franchise of podcasts. I'm Caitlin Stats. Uh, I'm the writer, and this is... Travis Vengroff. I am the producer-editor guy of the show. I'm Christy Luce, and I play Boom. So at the very beginning, we would like to throw out um, some more thanks for our Patreon uh, patrons. A huge thank you to you guys. Um, is it Israel and Dax Haverlack are like our two yeah. primary go- like guys? Zach like, Israel, you're so, amazing. So thanks. <laughs> so Dax many Haverlack, thanks. Dax Haverlack Industries. Um, and to everyone who's giving us iTunes reviews or Stitcher reviews, those help us so much as well. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, please go give us a review. Every time someone rates and review us, it means that we become more likely for other people to find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all of those things. So please do that. It doesn't take a lot of time, and it really is helpful. Well, let's let's get into the questions now. It's kind of fun. All right. Our first question here is, hi, I love the series, and I adore the world you have created. I was just wondering if you can tell us how old Atreus is, as well as how big is the actual city? While listening to the first few episodes, I don't remember mentioning either of these, and I have been curious for a while. Thanks again for the amazing work and your team that you and your team put into the podcast, and Atreus endures. All right, so how old is the city? Um, well, it <laughs> depends on the year. Uh. Yeah, so um, if you're listening to, let's say, uh, Tales from the Tower, those can come from lots of different time uh, times throughout the history of Atreus. Critical research itself, I think we actually do have a specific year for it. Uh, do you remember what that is? Uh, critical research is the year 709, I believe. Okay, so the colony itself has been established um, for 709 years, although there was a few years before that, right? Before the separatist movement. Yeah, we're calling that, that year zero collectively, although it was actually more than one year. Yeah, it was It was a little bit of time. A couple of years. Um, so it's about... 712 years old or something like that yeah and how big is it i think you told me once uh atreus is like 10 miles in uh diameter radius which one's the one from one end to the other (laughs) 
diameter. Diameter, right? Yes. Yes. It is like about uh, 10 or 12 miles in diameter. Uh, we have a ridiculously awesome map that we just finished up. It is super detailed and every building's in it, but I haven't actually done the measurements since then. Oh, oh and thank so. you for all of your wonderful compliments. Okay. Now. <laughs> yes. Thank you, friend. All right. What's an audio drama? You guys use the term a lot. Okay. So an audio drama is more like a um, an audio play or a radio drama. There's a difference between an audio book where you have an, a narrator or an enhanced audio book where you have a narrator and some back and forth dialogue and then a pure audio drama, which is uh, the story is told through direct conversations and the use of sound effects and ambiance to create the story itself. So uh, that is the main difference between the audiobooks and audio dramas. An audio drama is a fictional play of the ears. All right. And what podcasts do you guys listen to? What do you listen to, actually? Uh, we'll start with you. I'm actually pretty new to the podcasting thing. This is kind of my first taste of it with Liberty and Tales from the Tower. I do, however, I guess this isn't quite a podcast, but I'm quite a fan of um, Critical Role, the Dungeons and oh. Dragons oh, yeah. series. <laughs> yeah, it's not not quite a podcast, but it's same same genre-ish. How would you describe <laughs> uh, Critical Role to those who don't know Matt Mercer? Oh, gosh. So... And then you have to describe Dungeons and Dragons. How do you do that in general? So <laughs> imagine jumping into the fantasy world of Lord of the Rings-ish and being a character and then just being them and using your mind. And that's a game. It's And dice. So many dice. I wonder if podcasting and D&D nerdiness just goes together because there's so like everybody in the podcasting universe we talk to is like, oh, yeah, I play D&D. I watch oh, yeah. D&D. <laughs> like, of course we play D&D. <laughs> so Brings podcasts together. Uh, we've been listening to recently, uh, the Blood Crow stories. Oh, the Blood Crow stories. We just started those That's... and we're enjoying them. Um, yeah. I like the old timey feel. Always makes me feel good. It's like a... Um, I found a student comes across these tapes about a boat called the Utopia, which we're told in the very beginning apparently sinks somehow. We're not sure why or well, how. Well, don't give it away. They That's the just, very Just beginning. go listen to the Blood Crow But it's, it's, yeah. it's terrifying and creepy, and there's some sort of things going on that are mischievous aboard. Um, and we listen to a lot of other audio dramas as well. So many. I so listen many. to a lot of horror. Um, I, I want to try and find more comedies, but so far I'm working through Wooden Overcoats, and I really like that one. Alba Salix, uh, the Royal <laughs> Apothecary, is a hilarious comedy set in a D&D style world where this uh, witch who's not very friendly has to help people. Also, the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program is a lot of fun. It is a similar live play, let's play sort of thing where a bunch of people play a Cthulhu D&D style game and uh, it starts off sort of comical and it gets rather serious and sinister. In the last three episodes, you really won't be able to stop yourself because it gets really exciting. And I think personally, one of our combined favorites is, of course, the No Sleep podcast. Yes. Uh, we work with some of them as well. And they're just such nice people to work with. They are wonderful people. Um, and we actually play D&D with one of them. So, Actually, our fun. next question is about D&D. Oh, okay. <laughs> there it is. Can we use a mixing board with multiple microphones for our D&D podcast instead of an interface? That's totally a question for Travis. That's such a technical question. Yeah, so, um, so today for this Skype session, um, we this is actually the first time we've ever talked together at the same time, right? Christy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, basically, like, we were just sort of bumbling through trying to get, like, two microphones to work. Um, if you use a mixing board, 
it is like usually for live instrumentation. You would put all the microphones into a mixing board and they go to a single channel in your computer. The problem is if you ever want to edit any of the voices individually, you don't have the ability to do that because they're all in one channel and you can't edit any pieces of the channel because it's just one channel. It'd be like recording, uh, putting a single microphone in a room full of people and then trying to pick out a single voice. You just can't do it. So that's what a mixing board sort of does. So it would be recommended that you would use an interface, which is the thing you plug your microphone into that plugs there into your computer afterward. So you would want like a Focusrite or a Scarlett, um, like however many players you have. I think a 6i2 or a 6i6 if you're playing with six people or, you know, more if you have more. But I would highly recommend an interface as opposed to a mixing board or you really won't be able to like uh, when someone sneezes into the microphone, it'll be across all of the channels or the single channel. Um, so it'll not really be usable. Did you get that, Christy? Because I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> pretending I know exactly what you meant and nodding and smiling. <laughs> all right. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> I know all that technical stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, one side note is last time we had kept a list of like who had asked these questions. And this time we just kind of started collecting the questions and put them in a large document and we forgot to put who asked them. So if you asked this question... And we didn't answer it fully. Uh, you can always send us another email or something and we'll answer it better. I don't know how well it was answered because I don't know what that is. I think I answered it pretty well. And okay. if it wasn't good enough, they can email me or us. Yeah. yeah. What is the hot? Or more specifically, what was it supposed to be before Dismas took it over? Oh, I know this one. Okay. So um, it's called the hot because on the outside of the building, there are the letters H O T um, in very large, they, at some point they glowed. But they don't really glow anymore. They used to glow. Um, but it's not actually the letters H-O-T because they have a different phonetic alphabet in Atrian. So we wouldn't know that it says hot, but they can read it. Um, but it, what it used to say is hotel. Um, the hot was originally supposed to be a glamorous hotel that visiting dignitaries or visiting people to the planet were supposed to be able to stay at before they left the colony. And it just never made it to fruition um, when the colony sort of collapsed and nobody ever came back for them. And the hotel was lost to the fringe. It just degraded and eventually became the hot. Um, the letters fell off and what was left is something that the, uh, the punks could use. And it turned into their base. So that was what the hot was supposed to be. Did they weaponize the other letters or something? I, I don't know. I, I never thought about the other letters. That's I had a lot of other things to think about. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. That's I hope that's enough of an answer. <laughs> that's pretty good. Okay, uh, we have a question from our Patreon. Um, question from our Patreon from Laura Wood. Will you guys be making CDs or selling your stories on Audible? Caitlin, what do you think? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we're we're not really... I mean, making CDs, like, that would cost money and... Yeah, uh, so doing everything digitally means that we don't have to have print costs to print CDs or even just to put them on a USB drive because that's a physical object we'd have to go out and purchase. And stack somewhere in a drawer or closet yeah. in our house. Um, if you do want a physical Liberty object, you can purchase a comic book. Yes, um, we'll sign We them. also have the iconography guides written by Dr. Matalukowski. And, and stickers. Some stickers and some patches so you can... Flaunt your liberty, love. We have some statues, too. Uh, the Atreus Tower right now and Twitch, one of the characters in the comic. 
Right. Next question. <laughs> Discuss developing Dismas as a character and the hot in general, culturally. My God. Yeah, and that's like <laughs> that's like an hour's worth of a classroom discussion. <laughs> um, the condensed version, like the soup. Okay, so I don't know how much we want to give away about the development of Dismas' character because we've talked about his backstory in the past, and Travis and I have thrown back and forth the idea of doing a story about it. Um, but he's gone through a lot of hardships and he finally reaches this point where he's in charge of uh, the punks and he believes that he has reached the ability to become the greatest punk leader that there has ever has been and to bring his people and himself most specifically himself because he's pretty self-centered um to this high point and he's doing this by using not only his ability to control the punks and have that power but he's a little bit more intelligent than a lot of other fringers um well like how did you um, as a character you're like okay we've got we've got some letters a d an i and m there's an s in there somewhere and another s because i can't spell (laughs) dimas different different person how how did you like come up with the the character i think is really oh how did i come up with the character um i wanted someone that was very contrary to kovsky because Kovsky is very centered on, I want to learn the facts and everything is important. And Dismas is thinking, I only want what's important and only I am important. Self-centered. So it was a really great contrast. And if you see, if you, if you listen to the last episode, which you should do before listening to this because spoiler alert, I'm going to say things. Um, you, you get to that part where Kovsky kills Dismas and it's Kovsky's version of saying, you got in my way. You're not as important as you think you are, um, which is one of the worst things you can say to Dismas. And if it wasn't for the fact that he was already dying, he would have killed Kovsky. And the hot in general, how do you develop the hot? Um, I mean, I think the whole hotel thing really is the answer to that. Um, The structure of the hotel is that it's a hexagonal uh, building that's collapsed on one side a little bit. Well, it's culturally, culturally. Culturally, it has to do with sustainability. Um, I looked at a lot of... uh, like tribal peoples that used to have a central area where all of the um the fronts of their houses or the fronts of their uh structures would face the interior and that's kind of similar to how this works because all the doors let out into the middle area which is the pit which is their main area for training their pit fighters and for entertainment when they do the pit fights and things like that so i hope that answers the question So here, your next question. What is it like to act for the show? You're not That's, supposed to say those. Well, I, I oh, directed wait. toward you. Yeah. That's... <laughs> there you go. You can answer this one. All right. What's it like? It was great. It was so exciting because, I mean, for one, the show and the script are, you know, it's sci-fi. It's action. It's got these great characters to go off of. So it was so much fun on that count and just that it was a great story. And then um, it was an interesting technical process as well because, you know, um, you guys are over on the East Coast and I'm here on the West Coast. So it was me recording my lines and uh, using my imagination to hear the other characters and then getting to see it all come together was just so exciting and fun. That was actually the next question. Um, did yeah. you, do you use anything to act off as a reference? Like, do you just, is it all in your head or? Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough to get to hear um, Dismas's voice. Um, so I got a, a little bit of his character before going into it so I could kind of hear him as I was doing my lines f- 
um, when Boom was speaking with him. You did a great job portraying the character that I was trying to write. I was just going to say, like, thank you for sounding so great. And when you had the conversations with specifically, specifically Jalo, like, you did such a great job. And I'm so happy with the way it turned out because the dynamic between you and Jalo was something I was really trying to, like, pull people in with. Um so thank you for being amazing. Oh, yeah. And that was actually one of my favorite parts was Boom and Jalo's relationship and how you could see it develop and change as each episode went on. And with Boom, I really wanted to make sure that she wasn't just a copy of Tiny Tina from Borderlands, even though she was a good inspiration. But Boom is kind of a lot like me when I was a little kid. And I felt like like I was kind of like that a little bit. And not that I wanted to go you know blow things up (laughs) but she's got this enthusiasm and this passion for what she does and she wants to be appreciated for it so I kind of just found that in her and I really enjoyed watching her grow (sighs) (laughs) so what is next um all right how can I be on the show as a voice actor that is a good question well um we sent out a an audition thingy on yeah. all of our social medias. We have an audition going on for the next... Well, by the time this is out, this will actually be too late. Oh. <laughs> well, in the future, uh, we'll put out probably more audition reels. Um, and you can read through them, see if there's one that fits uh, your voice. So if we need like a guy who's 35 or something, or a woman who's 17 or... Or 70. Know, or 70, yeah. We've I think got... we're I think we're actually looking for an old woman right now. Yeah, it's sort of a tough role to fill. But yeah, we put out audition um, calls for auditions online on a few different spots, like the Reddit page, Facebook pages, things like that. Um, Twitter. Yeah, Basically, it has the instructions in there. Yeah, yeah, very detailed instructions, very like straightforward. If you just want to be like an extra or something, you can probably shoot us an email and be like, oh, okay, we might have, if you're, if you're, what we're looking for at that specific moment, we might have something for you. Um, of course, we're like, I don't know, I don't want to get like a million emails, but possibly. But yeah. I've been hooked ever since Tampa Bay Comic Con. Thanks for the stickers. And I'd really like to know if someone fleeing into the fringe would be a viable choice for survival, i.e. escaping to a desolate island in order to keep out of fighting. Okay. Mm. Um, It wouldn't be optimal. Um, The fringe is pretty scary. Uh, I think this is one of the questions we got before we really got far into season two. So (laughs) one of the things that I think is... uh what they're asking especially because they do the example of escaping into a desolate land so at a certain point if you get too far away from the inner city there's not enough oxygen in the atmosphere uh for anybody to survive so the fringe has a cutoff um because if you go past that point the world isn't terraformed so if your question is can i run all the way out into the the rest of the planet the answer is no um yeah not easily no You'd either be fighting people or you'd uh, eventually not be breathing. Yeah, I mean, if you're already in the fringe, the best thing for you to do, which is why there are so many different groups of people in the fringe, be them cults or families or gangs or punks or whatever, is because the safest thing to do is to become part of a larger group of people that offer you safety. Yeah. Um, so being an individual fleeing is a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and our next one is... In the world of Liberty, could you in detail describe the everyday life of a generic background character? A nobody not important in any way other than being there to flesh out the surroundings. Hmm. Okay. 
And then furthermore, how does the everyday life of a nobody citizen in the inner city compare to a fringer of equal nobody status? Which one do you want to do, inner city or fringe? I'll take the fringe. Okay, so let's assume that in the inner city, um, you work, or you're a student, I guess, because you don't have a job yet. Um, By the time you're about 16 or 17, you're probably uh, already doing vocational training to get the job that you're going to have for the rest of your life as part of this system that is very well controlled. Uh, In four years from then, you have a, a job and you work in construction maintenance I'm, I'm not sure Wh- whatever you want to work in maintenance i'm going to sure sure city beautification and maintenance S- city let's, beautification let's and maintenance so you would wake up in the morning um <laughs> you do have something similar to television it's called broadcasts and you have a screen but it only has like three channels news channel um entertainment and i don't know another one that i can't think of right now there's no weather really um, yeah weather's about the same and you eat meal so uh, if you guys don't know that yet meal is money uh, in the inner city, you are paid in food. You make a certain amount of meal for your job. And so you would eat one in the morning. It, there are several different flavors. And you can make them taste different with like packets of sour, savory, salty, those sorts of things. Sweet. Um, you go to work. You ride the sky rail into work. Which is the only... Or walk. There are no cars. There are no buses. There's nothing on wheels. Um, so you either walk or take the sky rail. And when you get there, it's just a normal day at work doing whatever you do. Or studying underneath someone who knows what they're doing. Yep. Uh, you eat lunch like a normal person. It's it's a pretty normal society. Maybe in the evenings you would go to a nightclub if you're a young person. And you would go and have a drink and be by the park or see some fireworks or whatever. There's more hours in a day, though. So uh, you work for about the same eight, but then you have more time off. There are literally more hours in the day to enjoy. Uh, I think it's 32 I think that's what we decided. Yeah, yeah. 32 is what we got. Uh, I have a reference sheet for when I write things because I don't remember all the facts. (laughs) So you're kind of like, you have an evening, you can off uh, a longer evening every evening to enjoy to yourself, to relax and not stress out about the constant threat of the cannibal gangs that want to destroy Um, you. One one thing that's sort of interesting, uh, that's part of everybody's day, is when you have... Um, when you have children, like if, let's say you get married and you have children, you can only have one child per person. <laughs> so if it's a man and a woman who have married, they may they may have two children because one of them is the descendant of uh, the mother and one of them is the descendant of the father because they have population control issues. So they can never have more people than is allotted at a time. Uh, yeah. So that's that's something that people actually, I think we actually spoke about that um, in the upcoming thing that's coming yeah it gets mentioned yeah it gets mentioned in the future (laughs) not in the current ones and then like occasionally if enough people die they have to change that but there are a lot of laws in the inner city people have the ability to have fun and have uh hobbies and things like that but it is very structured and if you lose the job you train for your life your quality of life just descends rapidly yeah um and super disgraceful yeah very and then in the fringe fringe. in the fringe you've got like nobody would probably be like a scavenger someone who collects um things off of the ground like so you basically would acquire almost anything you could find in a non-violent sense or maybe even occasionally rob someone who might be on their own or unconscious or inebriated or something and take something from them and you would bring it to someone who collects and trades those things in exchange for actual resources like meal or water tokens since you can't trade like large quantities of water very easily uh the tokens are exchanged for showers or uh, refills on drinks that sort of thing 
Um, if they're really lucky, they might get some sort of escape in life, be that drugs or maybe to go to some place and just enjoy themselves and know that they won't be murdered where they're sitting. Scavengers are not generally liked because they're sort of um, smelly. Uh, they also, uh, people don't really trust them because they take things that are loose and not, uh, that are just easily takeable. The cup that they're drinking from, things of that nature. So, I don't know. I, I think that's probably sort of an answer, but their lives are more... Everybody's life is different. Yeah. Um, Even in the inner city or the fringe. Yep, and then that's the last part of the question is, are their lives more similar than some might not want you to believe in the inner city? That's actually a lot more different. There's probably Um, a lot more murder in the fringe than in the inner city. (laughs) Um, Yeah, fringers are a lot less safe, and it's more about... uh, It's the trade-off between safety and freedom. Yeah, kind of like being a a hawk in nature, having to eat something at the end of every day versus being a hawk at a zoo that gets fed every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's a good parallel. Yeah, that's a pretty good parallel (laughs) for the bird lovers out there. We were around owls all weekend, in case you couldn't tell. Owls and snakes. There are a lot of references to tunnels, miners, and mining on the show. What is being mined? Okay, so um, we actually did a lot of research regarding so this. Research. These, the uh, the planet itself, which has a name now, um, finally. But I, I don't want to reveal it right now. We can't. We can't. Yeah, we can't reveal it, reveal it, it right now. It's a spoiler. But thing. Uh, the the planet has a name now, and the planet was found to be rich in a lot of precious minerals um, and a lot of precious resources. One of the primary ones that they decided that they were going to go to the planet for was neodymium. Um, when they arrived, they were able to find all of these resources that what they wanted to mine. It was definitely worth their time to show up and start putting down the infrastructure for this, to start moving out the tunnels, to start getting all that done. Um, so the primary ones was neodymium, uh, and then a lot of basic minerals as well. They were, at that point when they were starting the colony, uh, they still thought that they were going to be attached to the rest of humanity. And the rest of humanity is at a point in their timeline where they are booming and expanding and they have all of these new colonies and space stations and things like that. So whenever they put down a mining colony, they're mining things out as quickly as possible so they can get all of those resources off planet to the people who need them in different planets or space stations or wherever it is. Um, and that just never happened. Yeah. So they're mining neodymium? Neodymium and a lot of other things. Okay, neodymium and a lot of other things, though. that's one of the primary The magnets. Rare all right, magnets. all right. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, and then the next one is, where do you draw inspiration for the slang words used? Uh, that would largely be two sources. Um, I, was, I was really impressed with Clockwork Orange's use of slang. And then I'd also talked with uh, Jacques Fresco, a futurist, um, who I just, I've met a couple of times over the years, and he's very literal in his speech and he pointed out how unliteral much of our speech is like shooting fish in a barrel and stuff and basically like my eyes were open to how many idioms we use on a daily basis so we started making up our own um that kind of i don't know fit the world uh there once we developed a culture i guess they were a lot more easy to create than it that took a while yeah so you have to think about what the slang we have is based off of um and then we were like okay well what is what are some of the primary things in the forefront of their culture that we can use meal meal is their money meal is their life without it a lot of them would be starving and starving is the new that sucks <laughs> well it's also the new f word yeah um, new F-bomb. stuff like that so it's what is appropriate to that world um what is the uh what is it the eight 
Um, oh yeah, adding to eight. So it's, add to eight. It's base eight. It's a world. It's base eight. If you don't understand it, you can look it up. It's really boring for it to discuss. But so everything adds to eight instead of makes sense. And yeah, um, that's like saying, oh, that adds up. It's like, oh, that adds to eight. Um, yeah. So we just kind of took what we knew and s thought about how it would apply to this world instead of our world. And it took a while, but we got some consistency, I think. And a lot of the uh, <laughs> speech used in Atreus to express bad things has to do with like detestable or despicable or traitorous. Like those are <laughs> three syllable words, but um, basically anything that are not virtuous, not <laughs> unvirtuous words. Smelly is also pretty bad. Do you guys yeah, ever use the slang just in your everyday life by accident and end up confusing people? No, but I use a lot of, um, I don't, I don't swear, but I use a lot of words that I learned like watching like Firefly when I was younger and stuff like that. Um, like Goram and <laughs> all that jazz. So, that was probably influential to us too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I grew up listening to certain things. So it's, it's hard to incorporate something that I write with a lot more because I have to think about it so hard when I'm writing it that I put it aside when I'm done. But I mean, I grew up watching some stuff. I think I've seen like Firefly like 12 times. I don't use the terms in day-to-day -day speech very, like I might, I, I wouldn't really recognize if I did, but I know that I actively don't use idioms now. I try really hard to avoid them at all costs in my everyday speech. And I also try to avoid uh, the same words that you wouldn't use in Atreus just because I think they're silly words. And that is the next question. So what words do Atreans not use? Good, Good bad, bad, evil. Evil. Um, <laughs> God, Jesus, um, president. Yeah. So, I mean, they would use the word president if it was, like, in a different term, I guess. But Very rarely. It. I mean, their leader is the Archon. Um, Corporation? I don't think that's really... Because I mean, everything's a district or a department or yeah, it's all government. Um... Yeah, so they don't have um, the same ideas about morality that we do. So good and bad, evil, those just don't exist anymore. They're not taught in schools, um, and they're something that out in the fringe, everyone's just dangerous, a little bit less dangerous, or very dangerous. Vile, despicable. <laughs> <laughs> so they have a, a, a I don't know. Sometimes in that way, they have a little bit more of a varied vocabulary than we do because they have to think about what they're actually trying to say about the person instead of generalizing yeah and yeah. what's it like to write critical research versus tales from the tower <laughs> uh it's i really this sounds so bad i really enjoy writing tales from the tower a lot more than writing critical research because i get to try out so many little different things um that i can't do with the bigger show and it's very difficult to write a script and create that many different characters i know that sounds so silly because it's like oh that's the basics of writing i was like yeah that's why writing is so difficult well, they're all like in the same scene and you have to like think in the different mindsets of the characters is that what you're saying yeah everyone has their own voice and i don't just mean their voice actor i mean they're the little the literal way that they speak varies uh Jungquist has a lot more of uh using humor as a defense mechanism uh, Jalo has a little bit more of the... I, I know what you mean. Like, I actually had to go through the entire script, and for every Fringe character, they all have a slightly different way of speaking. And yeah, so... <laughs> unifying them. Characters from the Fringe, like the punks, it's like, oh, how am I going to write this sentence without three-syllable words or correct consonants? So <laughs> Skit actually never says the word the. She always says te, T-E-H. It's kind of funny. Or duh, depending duh. on uh, yeah. what sentence structure <clears throat> she's using. And, uh, oh, hey, Christy, didn't you actually write a tale from the tower? Or is that a spoiler? Are we allowed to? I did! So what was that like? It was really fun. 
it kind of felt like writing fan fiction. <laughs> and <laughs> it was great to be able to dive into this world that someone else created and be able to contribute to it. So it was really fun. I went about it sort of in the same way I would go about writing a short story and just pretending I was part of the Liberty world. And that was great. And haven't you written a couple of other things in the past as well, like uh, short stories and such? Yeah, I've written a couple. One of them was published in my college university's journal, the Salmon Creek Journal. So that was cool. And then another one is with Mason J. Press Online. So you can check that out if you're interested. Can we put like a link on the show notes and stuff? Yeah. Cool. So what's it like to act in critical research as opposed to Tales from the Tower, since you're actually an actress in both? Or is that... You already recorded your parts, so you can do that, right? I did. I recorded for Underground. Ah, uh, yes. That's, that was really fantastic. I'm excited about that one. It was actually a lot more similar than different. It was me jumping into this world and getting in the mindset of it and record out of my closet. <laughs> the only difference is that it was a lot less back-and-forth dialogue for Tales from the Tower, so it was a lot less of me imagining what the other person was saying because a large portion of it I don't know how much I'm allowed to say for what's going to happen but it was it was just me kind of narrating and then with a little bit of dialogue and in addition to bringing to life uh, Marcia in Underground mm-hmm. you also did a wonderful job with Boom and you did such a great job <laughs> yes it was an absolute pleasure to have you on our show you brought this character to life like, oh yeah completely. Uh- <laughs> I'm glad you like it. And I also really loved like the many different takes of your singing. My singing. It was a shame we could only use one take. Oh, boom! Went yeah. I forgot about that. It's like the little humming. I'm pretty sure I do that just in everyday life. Just sing to myself <laughs> as I'm doing things. So I just went there for boom. <laughs> well, it turned out fantastic. All right. What changed to make the sound effects on the show get better for season two? I had so much more experience, and I'd learned so much in the first season, and uh, I've actually, thanks to our Patreon people, uh, we were able to get a couple of new sound libraries, access to a couple of new sound libraries. Tovu really... Sound. Thank yes, you, Tovu, Tovu sound. sound. The footsteps made so much easier in our lives. <laughs> on that. So before we had Tovu Sound, our amazing, amazing sponsor, um, like I had to record all of the sound effects. Like I would be wearing high heels and boots. <laughs> in the I would be wearing not high heels. I don't even own high heels. Well, you I wear own, heels. I own a pair of heeled shoes. Yeah, you'd be wearing those, and I'd be uh, wearing like my boots, and we'd walk in a circle in our kitchen with a recorder next to us. But it picks up a bunch of wind sound, and it's like aggravating. It's like okay, well, it's also hard to do that now that we have a dog. Yes, well, that's great that you got that sound in the kitchen, but now you need like the sound of people walking on gravel or ice or something else. Um, depending on, you know, not ice in the show, but maybe metal. And uh, to get those sounds in Tobu sound, it's like just digital. It's all digital. You're like, okay, I want the sound of someone who... Wearing a snowsuit. Wearing walking a snowsuit, on gravel. Walking on gravel. At a medium pace. Holding a duffel bag. <laughs> and carrying a poodle. No, <laughs> no poodle. No poodle, but a duffel bag. And you can basically like tap what you're you're doing on like a keyboard and the intensity is the intensity at which they step and it's really cool so tobu sound has saved us countless hours right on just amazing um very lucky yeah but uh (laughs) new sound library is just getting really used to working with sound effects and it's been really uh practice makes perfect 
The next one is, listening to this podcast, I can't help but compare the environment to Pandora in the Borderlands video games and some characters like Boom to Tiny Tina and Jinx from League of Legends. Was there any inspiration for this from outside sources, or is it all a fabulous coincidence? Okay, so (laughs) I'm going to go through this really quickly. I have played Borderlands. I have not played League of Legends. I think the... I only know one thing about Jinx, and I think it's that she's purple. I think yeah. she's purple. She's like a little girl. I saw a screenshot. I Googled it. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I did, too. When somebody asked me this question, I was like, I have no idea. I Googled it. I was like, oh, she's purple. Um, yeah, I think. <laughs> one of the costumes. But I have played uh, Borderlands. Um, I've played all of them. I love that franchise. But I have not. I originally was just writing a character for Boom. Um, I didn't know if it was going to be male or female. I didn't know how old he or she was going to be. But I was trying to think of somebody that could have this amazing talent that Jalo would not see as being a threat personally, but a, f- a threat on the technical side. Okay. Um, and that Dismas could take under his wing without him believing that she's too much of a threat to his rule. So what I just decided to do was write this character that I thought would epitomize what a savant with a powerful ability that people would see as being worth something in the fringe, what kind of person they would have to be to not be completely cynical. Oh. That makes sense. Um, and also educated. Sort well, of. She's, as edu- she's more educated than a lot of other people because yeah. she has the capacity for great intelligence and she has access to Dismas. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it really, it really started sounding a lot more like Tiny Tina when we got your amazing voice, Christy, to yes. make her into her. Um, and I love the way that she turned out. She's so, <laughs> she's just such a powerful little, little character. And I, I love the way that she turned out. And yeah. I can understand the parallel. But now let's go on to the other one, which well, was the, like, oh, it feels like it's Pandora. Um, Pandora has a lot of variation. Very, yeah. Like there's a lot of different ecosystems on Pandora. Um, Atreus or the city. The, Atri- the, uh, it's like more like a Star Wars colony. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know how here's the ice planet. Here's the <laughs> desert planet, ice planet, forest, forest moon. moon. <laughs> uh, this is this is a desert planet. Yeah. Um, so if you leave Atreus too much and you go beyond the fringe too much, there is no atmosphere and it is a desert planet. Um, so it's really not uh, there's not a lot of comparison to Pandora because Pandora you can live on like. Yeah. All right, which podcast or books should come first for new listeners? You can start at the beginning of Critical Research Season 1 and go all the way through, or you can listen to the recap of Season 1 and start on Season 2, or you can listen to any episode of Tales from the Tower completely standalone by themselves. Same for Season 2 of Tales from the Tower that's coming out in a few weeks. Um, Critical Research is a story arc. You do have to listen to it in order. But if you want to read some of Liberty, you can, of course, start with the Zero Issue or start with uh, the entire first volume. Yes. Um, They are two separate stories, but at the same time, it always helps enrich the stories if you know everything about it. So if you read volume one and you're like, oh, what happened a little bit before that? You can read Zero Issue. If you really like Zero Issue, there's a whole heck of a lot more to read in volume one. So... But you don't have to listen to the podcast to appreciate the comics and Yeah, they're separate stories. They're just all in the same Liberty world. Yeah. All right. Where can I find gigs as a voice actor? Why don't you uh, start us off with that one? Sure. And I'm still a newbie in this area, so I'm kind of trying to figure that out right now as well. But um, what I found 
um, for the best way to find gigs is through networking. And the best way to do that is to get in an acting class because you'll meet people who are putting projects together and doing things. And it's just the best way to figure out what's going on and what people are making and you can get involved with that. And then um, another way to find work is through different websites. Like there's one called voices.com and that allows you to build a profile and upload a demo and you can submit yourself to things. And um, it's a great place to find gigs too. How did we actually wind up meeting? Like how'd we... I found you through a forum called Voice Acting Assembly which is a website put together by Rachel Messer, who is a voice actress, and she posted about it on Twitter, and that's how I found your audition. Aha! Yeah. I thought it was like something else, like you oh. knew her personally or something. No, no, it was through Twitter, so, That's yeah. incredible. So, uh, in terms of voice acting stuff I've done, I'm mostly in some point-and-click adventure games and a couple of mods for video games. Uh, I would quickly uh, recommend the same stuff that Christy did, I would also say that in addition to that, um, you can just apply and do as much stuff as you possibly can. And the more you can get your voice out there, the more people hear your voice and want your voice in their stuff. Um, there's probably people out there who say that's not the way to go, but that's just been my personal experience. And I've actually made a little bit of money voice acting. Additionally, there are specific groups like the Fallout for old world radio uh, group. It's a modding community and you can get your voice on a Fallout 4 mod and it's actually pretty cool. Uh, there are other mods out there that are more expansive like Enderall. I mentioned it like a million times over and over again but it was really a lot of fun and also there are just various indie game companies that you can get involved with and you know people you might know somebody who's involved in one and that's really the best way to get into voice acting from my perspective. Just know people or you know meet people online. And do anything that would increase your odds to meet people online. All right. And how many hours of work go into making a single episode? All too right. Too many. <laughs> well, too I can start many. by... Let's Far go piece by piece. Many. Piece by piece. So <laughs> too many. You get the idea. You write an outline. Then you write your scripts. How long does that take-ish? Like okay. Per script. Per episode. Coming up with an idea. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Are we talking Tales from the Tower or Critical Research? Let's just say it's like Critical Research. Like a okay, so right. uh, I come up with a little brain idea, and it's tiny, and I hate it. <laughs> um, then we have some drinks, and it's fun. And then we... <laughs> By drinks, he means we drink a lot of tea. Yes. Um, and eventually write an outline. An outline can take us about two hours to really suss out what we're doing. Like, oh, okay, here are the characters here. And then every outline for a season, I break down into episodes, and every episode outline will take me about an hour as well um or more god for longer ones um writing an actual whole entire script for a single episode takes me anywhere from two to five hours let's say it's five all right so five hours let's say for one episode and And then then... it gets sent off to our editor who takes about two hour tops to edit it send it back go through all the edits okay and then after it's edited it goes to uh our voice actors christy how long does it take to voice act these things Ooh, let's see Uh, It's hard to remember. It depends on how many times I want to redo it and if I'm satisfied with what I've given. Like an approximate, though? That's really hard because I did it in pieces. Maybe maybe half hour to an hour per episode. Okay, cool. So like an hour or two per episode. I would say. Just to record. So it doesn't include any of the actual editing. Yeah, and clear out all the sounds. How long do you think that would take? (laughs) I would say it takes at least... 
double as much time to edit it as it does to record it because you have to listen to it again and then clear out all the mess ups and all the gross noises, all the mouth noises. So let's say like it's about an hour to two hours per cast member. So that's like we're up to ten or nine, ten or something. hours ish. And then we have all the extra actors who just sort of like do stuff really quickly. So we're up to like 11 hours. All right. Let's then all that is sent back to Travis. Yep. And then it's editing. So the total editing time, let's say it's like seven hours, right? Um, so 17, 17 hours per episode. And then uh, the... And then it takes maybe another one and a half to two hours to do PR stuff. So posting on Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere that I have to post sharing um, on all the things sharing talking about it trying to get the word out there next is when is season three it doesn't seem to be on the patreon schedule there is a lot more of liberty to come guys but there is no season three of critical research the story of kovsky is over but it was so exciting at the end but we have more to tell you and they're all exciting that's true (laughs) so um there is no season three of critical research Liberty is a lot of small stories set in our world and then some much larger stories coming down the line as well. So you're going to have the small little ones that are like Tales from the Tower. You're going to have a mini series, which is like the upcoming Outbreak, which is going to be, can I say, that's going to be eight episodes. This is going to be eight, it'll be eight episodes long. Um, That is our upcoming Liberty mini series. Uh, Critical Research season one and season two was our first big story arc show. And we have more of those planned as well. Um, so there's a bunch of different types of stories going on here. But there is no more critical research. There is a lot more liberty to come. And the next question is, holy shit, Kowski, what the hell happens to him next? Is he going to be the main <laughs> character in the next show? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we... we I don't know if I want to say this. I don't know. We've uh we have some ideas about whether or not we will or will not bring or willent or willent or shalt. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we we are thinking about what we're gonna do with Kovsky. We think we might bring him back. We think we might not. Um, there is something else going on with him. His story is not over, but we don't know if we're gonna tell the rest of it because there's a lot of other stories we have to tell that are fantastic. Guys. So much more exciting. Um. And I think you'll be really happy with them as well. So don't worry about Kovsky. He's got his own craziness going on. Uh, And we'll find out in the future. You can't see my shoulders rise that high, but they're rising pretty high, guys. (laughs) (laughs) What are the new stories about? Speaking of which... (laughs) <laughs> oh god. How about you you take you, you take the mini series. Okay, so Outbreak <laughs> Outbreak is a vile sickness is spreading across one of the outer districts of Atreus and we need to stop it before it's too late and cripples Atreus irreparably before, you know, really bad things can happen without using the word bad. Uh I'm going to talk about Tales from the Tower. So sure. our premiere Tales from the Tower for this season is going to be Excuse Me. It is actually uh long enough to be a novella. Congratulations on that, by the way. That's it's awesome. really long, guys. Woo! Um, Super long. We have a lot of really great people com- uh, that are. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, she she just froze. I'll hit the restart. Button. I have to reboot. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me, which is a novella. <laughs> um, 
and we have a lot of really great contributors this season, including uh, Pacific, who has written some that are actually like interconnected stories, which I think is fantastic. Pacific S. Obadiah from Lake Clarity. Uh, and what about Vigilance? Tell me about Vigilance. Vigilance. If you can imagine a Dungeons and Dragons game being played by people, um, like Christy explained earlier, uh, it is basically that, but set in the Liberty Universe. We have a system called Efter, which is 5th edition D&D, but set in Atreus, and it's available on our website. So um, I actually listen to a lot of live play podcast uh, role-playing games. I, I really, I love d and I'm a DM, I'm a character player, whatever. Um, and we've tried really hard to make sure that our playthrough of Liberty After doesn't sound just like one of those. It's, we put in all of these great sound effects, we take out the really crappy parts where people get lost in the game and we put in actual voice actors reading from scripts and really make it feel like an experience and a story well, the voice actors just to clarify are like npcs yes not the pcs they did their own stuff so i'm one of the characters in the game uh you will get to see how entirely unlucky i am at rolling effing dice guys everyone was pretty unlucky except uh peter lewis unless was... i'm actually the dm because every time i'm the dm <laughs> i straight up murder you <laughs> critical death um, but time. that is our Liberty uh, Vigilance, which is based on the Liberty After role-playing game, which is the AFTER, which stands for Atrian Fringe Tactical Experience Role-Playing. Yes. And role uh, you can actually download that if Off you want website. to. And you can play in our world. Now, there's another story coming out as well. It is called The White Vault. It is terrifying. When winter falls, there will be only darkness in Svalbard. That is a really cold place in Norway-ish. You are the least scary person on the planet. Spooky. <laughs> no, but it's it's going to be actually genuinely terrifying. We've got some really great international cast from around the world, but we can't really talk about it too much just yet. That one does not take place in the Liberty Universe, though. We'll talk about that a little bit later uh, when we talk about expansion. But let's talk about... Year Zero. Uh, around maybe this time-ish next year or a little bit later next year, we're going to have Year Zero, which... Year Zero will be our next large story arc. Um, it is a fully scripted show. It will be written by, can I Caitlin say, Stats. can I say like that cheesy line of yours truly? I don't like saying that guys. <laughs> it's me. Hey, <laughs> we'll be written by and we'll be fully scripted. It's going to be good. Yeah. Um, and it is about the separatist insurrection, the, the forming of Atreus and what it is. Yeah, and how the it very, what it is. the very beginning of Atreus year zero, um, how the fringe came to be. Yeah. And that will be, God, like a while from now, but it'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> what are some of the interesting difficulties you've encountered while making the podcast that you did not expect? Oh, no. I, um, uh, my voice and having a dog. <laughs> what about your voice? I don't like hearing it. That's why when, so I, when I do my voice acting, I'm... I'm Oriella. Hello. Welcome, citizens. And it's a completely different person because if I just hear me, I'm like, oh, God, that's my voice. But, yeah, no one really yeah. likes listening to their own voice. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I made in casting the first season with Caitlin is casting myself as one of the main characters. It's just like because you're you're directing yourself and then you're editing yourself into a scene and you can't really judge you yourself. You do wonderfully. But you can't like I, I'm not an accurate judge or director or editor on my own work because it's. I'm a, it's hard to be objective and say definitively like, oh, I did horrible here. Oh, I did okay. That's there. actually one of the same issues that I face is that 
you know, I think I have it all in my head on how it's going to turn out, and then I'll go to record, and then I'll go to edit it, and I hear it and think, this is what I sound like? It's kind <laughs> no, of like right? when you hear yourself on an answering machine, and you think, this is what people hear when they call me? Oh, no. <laughs> but then I just kind of have to distance myself from it and think, it's okay. It'll be fine. It'll work out. It'll be good. <laughs> the other thing is I I hate when uh, we're trying to do recording and then we can hear our dog outside the door and he's like crying. Let me in. Let me in. I was like, I can't. You're having a party in there. You adorable fuzzball. I can't let you in. <laughs> the other thing for me was footsteps. I did not expect to hate footsteps nearly as much as I did. Mm. And uh, thank you, Tobu Sound Tobu again. Tobu Sound. We, we praise love you. you eternally. Your footstep sounds sound amazing on our Klipsch headsets, and we love you. Yes, so much. <laughs> if you could change anything about your previous works on the show, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> all, all of season one, going back and changing my writing, making the writing better. Everything. F- filling out the story arc more, building my characters. Um Oh God! So many more sound effects I could use. I know Just, so much more. There's so much. Oh, we've grown so much. It's like it's like looking back at a picture you drew in eighth grade and going, Oh God, why? <laughs> Someone recently gave us a like a two star review and they're like, eh, It was meh. I listened to the first episode, two stars. I'm like, no. Like, don't judge us <laughs> off the first episode. Come please, on. yeah, please, please in, listen to more. <laughs> in our first season, the average episode had maybe twenty to twenty eight different layers of like different sound effects and voices all compiled together and then in this season season two it's been like an average of 60 to 70 and i think that speaks volumes to the audio quality and i know for the writing quality it's also gone drastically up uh, can i say something that's a little bit offensive to you travis sure so when we started writing season one we were trying to write it together Oh, I'll take that offense. And That's Travis, fine. you're not a very good writer. I know that. Well, I'm a good writer, just not an audio drama. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, for this. And when you finally, like, for se- for the end of season one and then season two, when you just were like, I let go of the reins. Have at it. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started writing. And it felt it felt a lot better. I felt like I had, like, I still ran a lot of things by Travis and I still got um a lot of the information about the world that i needed but i was able to just fully realize stories that i had ready um without having to adapt to fitting in some of the weird things that he wanted to fit in um i'm sorry that's very polite of you no it's true it's totally true i'm not uh, i'm not really geared toward the audio writing and it took me a while to figure that out but yes i believe we are on to our final question now which is I've heard rumors that you're changing to become a production studio. What is that about? It's (gasps) everything. It's about everything. It's everything that we do. Welcome, (laughs) citizens, to the brand new Liberty slash Fool and Scholar slash anything we want to make production studio. So uh, we're doing a lot of stuff, guys. We'll be announcing it very shortly, formally. Yeah. uh, Because most (laughs) people don't, like, I don't know if everyone listens to a QA, but... uh, Yes, we're going to be announcing shortly that we are going to be coming Fool and Scholar Productions, same friends that we lovingly work with, uh, different name, which allows us to expand and do more than just Liberty Stories. So we have a lot of ideas. Um, so some many. Of, some of them are scary. Some of them are... Funny. Oh, come on. Some of them are <laughs> adorable. Um, some of them are made for kids. Some of them are made for, ad- for adults. Some of them are made for people of all ages, as long as they have their parents' permission. <laughs> yes. Um... 
we have a lot of ideas. Some of them are not within the Liberty universe. So we are going to be rebranding ourselves as a production studio outside of Liberty itself. That way we can actually create all of the ideas that we have. Um, and yeah. We guys. still need to navigate like <laughs> some of the intricacies of it. Like Patreon doesn't let you change your URL. Or if you do, like you can't redirect. So we need to think like, okay, we got to figure out that sort of stuff. We really hope that with everything that we're making, you guys really enjoy it. We love creating content and getting feedback and hearing from you guys. So Seriously, it's been our pleasure to entertain you. To entertain you. It has been our pleasure to... Blah, 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 I can't speak today. I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> it has been... It's Seriously, though, it's been our pleasure to entertain you. Um, we've been floored by the support that we've had uh, and everything we've done. If you guys you. ever come to a convention that we're at... We'll um, high five you. Please come to our table and we will give you high fives. And we like to fan out about having fans. So it's always yes. fun. Yes. <laughs> So uh, this is the awkward part where the audio had to be re-recorded because of that strange technical error, and we need to figure out like how to sync up our goodbyes. So, <laughs> so thank you for coming on to the show, Christy. It's been awesome chatting with yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was our absolute pleasure. Yes, thank you so much. Oh Well, thank you for bringing me into this universe. It's so much fun to play in. So thank you all again for listening. Uh, we don't have any credits after this. Thank you, uh, guys. Absolutely thank you. And may the Archon watch over you. Liberty endures.